You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Good morning, everyone. Isn't it good to be with God's people? I don't know. I wake up on a Sunday morning and honestly, as God is listening to me, I can't wait to get in here. I can't wait to see your faces. I love to meet my friends. I love to meet my brothers and sisters. It's such an honor and a joy that we can gather together and that there's Christians around us and that we're not on our own. Amen. Amen. Get our own space, but it's good to join with the family of God. I'm going to speak this morning. Um, It's part two of a message that I'm calling Pride and Prejudice. Anybody remember that novel, Pride and Prejudice? Anybody hear of it? That famous book? Okay, some of us did Jane Austen. Um, In Ireland, it's actually part of the curriculum in school. There was lots of dramas, televised dramas and movies made out of it. And I'm just using that title to look at a couple of issues. If you don't come from Ireland or perhaps the UK and you haven't heard of the novel, it's really just a a romantic story. But deep within it, it's all about how all of us have a little bit of pride. And here's the scary bit. Every human being has a little bit of prejudice as well. So I'm taking this and I'm looking at it. I started last Tuesday night and we looked at the issue of gender, male and female, and how as men and women, we actually, in my opinion, have a prejudice against ourselves. As men, we prejudice ourselves and we're afraid to share when we're going through a hard time. And we try and be the tough guy, macho man, we bottle it all up and then something starts going and we get a bit of a breakdown, or you've got a lot of male suicide, and on and on. And that's bad. And then we looked at how women in the church silence themselves. It's another type of silence, because they think, well, I'm a girl, I'm a woman. What can I do? God can't use me. And we looked at how in the Bible, God can use you. Anyone say amen? Amen. And we have to keep saying that in the church, and as leaders and as pastors, set the culture. And, And we do this with a conviction from God's word. But I'm going to move on this morning, and I'm going to look at the issue of race or culture. So it can be the color of your skin, but it can also be the type of person you are, and how we all can bring a bit of prejudice, or sometimes it can creep in. And it's very interesting. I've been doing a lot of research about this, and statistically Ireland apparently is one of the most welcoming countries in the European Union and there isn't the same uh, antagonism about people moving here from around the world that you'll find in a lot of other countries and so it seems on paper that racism and prejudice is a lot lower here than it is anywhere else in Europe but then I don't know because I'm a white Irish man So I'm not going to be, I don't know, an 18-year-old black young man walking into some place where it's all white people. I don't know what it's like on the ground. I imagine there's a bit of prejudice sometimes. And prejudice works in every way. Sometimes there's prejudice against women. There's prejudice against young people, against older people. It rears its head. What I want to look at today, perhaps in a challenging way, 
but I believe in a life-giving way, is how Jesus Christ sometimes comes into your life and into my life and he puts his nail-pierced finger right on a sensitive, sore issue in your heart and in my heart. And I'm going to look at when he did that in the Bible and what happened. So I'm going to look at Luke chapter 4. I want to welcome Cafe Church. God bless you down there, guys. And thank you for joining in, watching us on live stream here. So I'm going to read Luke chapter 4. And I pray, Holy Spirit, breathe life into your word in our minds and in our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here we have Jesus going into the synagogue, which is kind of like a church back then. And Jesus goes into the synagogue, but this is different. He goes in his hometown. Cork is my hometown. Um, but Jesus was back in Nazareth, having been away. So let's pick up the story and see what God is saying to us through this. Jesus went to his hometown, Nazareth. And on the Sabbath day, that was a Saturday, he went to the synagogue and he was asked to read from the book of Isaiah. And when he had done so, when he read from the book of Isaiah, all of them were staring at him. Isn't he the carpenter, Joseph's son? They asked among themselves. And then Jesus went on and began to share the following. There were many widows in Israel during the great famine. But Elijah the prophet only fed one foreign widow in Zarephath. And there were also many lepers in Israel during that time. But Elijah healed only one, Naaman the Syrian, another follow, a foreigner. Now when the people in the synagogue heard this, they were all outraged. They were furious. Look what they did. They drove Jesus out. We're not talking driving a car here. We're talking they pushed Jesus out of the church, if you will. And then they pushed and shoved and drove Jesus out to the edge of town. And they tried to throw him off a cliff. But Jesus passed through them and he went away. He left them. So here we have something I personally find fascinating because Jesus Christ is setting the parameters for the future here. So we're told that he went to the Nazareth synagogue and he was asked to read. What was he doing there? Well, at this time, Jesus had based his ministry about 35 kilometers away from Nazareth in a town called Capernaum. And Jesus in Upper Galilee was based there and based his ministry out of there. He had left Nazareth, his hometown. You and I might think 35 kilometers is nothing, but remember back then they walked, or maybe they had a donkey, so it was quite a distance. But yet we read that he was back in Nazareth for the weekend, probably, most likely, visiting his mother and his brothers and his sisters. Did you know Jesus had brothers and sisters? Some people say it was only Jesus. But you read the Bible and you read that he had brothers and sisters. They named some of them. So he's back visiting his family in Nazareth. And it's very interesting. If you read into it yourself, it says, As was Jesus' custom, 
he went to the synagogue. As was Jesus' way, this was Jesus' rhythm of life. He always went to the synagogue every Saturday. Today, in our culture in the Western world, it's do I feel like going to church? Do I feel like obeying God's word? But if we want to be like Jesus, we bring a rhythm into our lives. And it's not about whether it suits me or not. It's this is my rhythm. This is who I am. I'm a Christian. And so what do Christians do? We pray, we read our Bible, and we regularly gather with other believers at church. Anyone say amen? So Jesus is setting a pattern here. And Jesus is in the synagogue because he was faithful at this time, and he always went. And why did they ask him to read? Well, the way synagogues operated was you needed what was called a quorum of at least 10 men. And if there wasn't a rabbi around, the men would do the readings and they would lead the service. Now, Jesus was a rabbi and known to be a rabbi. So he was shown even extra respect, if you will. And so it was important that they got the various men up to read in the synagogue. So Jesus didn't push his way into this. He was invited. So this is good. The people in Nazareth and the spiritual people, if you will, invite Jesus to move, to speak. It's a bit like you and me. We invite Jesus into our lives uh, for the first time. And then as we go on, we continue. That's what a relationship with Jesus feels like. We continue to ask God to move in our lives and to speak to us. And so Jesus starts speaking. And we're told that he read from the book of Isaiah to begin with. And if you know that portion, you can read it yourself when you go home. He read that wonderful portion that says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. So he reads that portion of scripture. And then we're told that all of them were staring at him. They were staring at him. Why were they staring at him? Well, we had read it earlier. They were going, in a Cork accent, of course, isn't he the carpenter's son? What, what's he doing up there? Isn't that the carpenter's son? And, and if you read some of the other gospel versions, they'll say, isn't his brother James, and they name all the, and his sisters are still living here in Nazareth? What? Who, who's he think he is, kind of like? But besides that, when he had shared that verse about the spirit of the Lord has anointed me, they're looking on and they said, how is it a guy from Nazareth had this anointing on him? Because Jesus spoke with authority and they knew there was an anointing upon him. So this is really different. Now, it's not like, I probably mentioned this before, but about 30 years ago, um, a girl, a woman, many, some of us back then knew here in Cork. We'll call her Mary. It's not her real name. Nobody hardly knows her anyway. But Mary came from the suburb of Toker. And if you'd meet Mary, she had the most beautiful Cork accent. You'd meet her and you'd go, how are you, Mary? And she'd go, how are you, boy? It's great to see you. You know, the way we talk with our sing-song accent here in Cork. And she was full-on Cork and, you know, lovely person. And Mary was asked to speak at a meeting over in the Metropole Hotel across the road all those years ago. And I remember we were all staring at her. 
Because when she was asked to speak and to share, she was, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Our mouths were open and we were staring and we were going, what? Where, where did she learn to speak like that? She's some talker. She speaks like us. And even I can always remember talking to her. I said, how are you, Mary? I'm so good. Amen. It's like, what? What? We were all agog. We were amazed. We was like, it was fake. Of course it was fake. Somehow in our heads you were more spiritual if you had American accent or whatever. But this is not what was happening there. They weren't all staring at Jesus because he was putting on a show. They were staring at him because they knew this is different. This was unlike any other service or meeting or gathering in the Nazareth synagogue. There was something spiritually going on here. There was a power. There was an anointing. And it's like, how has this happened? No, they probably heard rumors about Jesus of Nazareth and the miracles he, were, he was doing. So there was a curiosity. But this is probably the first time they had seen it up close. And then Jesus goes on, and here's the crux of what I want to say. He brings up two examples from their Bible, from their scriptures that they believed in, and we believe in, in the Old Testament. And he uses these two examples. There were many widows in Israel during the famine, but the prophet Elijah only fed one foreign widow, and there were many lepers, but Elijah only healed one, Naaman the Syrian, another foreigner. Uh, Pastor Craig Cooney spoke on him last week. So here Jesus is saying, do you remember the great famine? Here in Ireland, in the education system and in the culture, every child will learn about the great potato famine. Did everyone hear about the great potato famine. It was a huge trauma in Ireland, and we carry the memory in the folk memory in Ireland. And so apparently we're told that people in Ireland, the big fear is loneliness, and it goes right back to the great potato famine, when something like a third of the population either died or left back in the 1840s, 1850s. So the people of Israel would have known about this great famine in their culture. And all of these widows whose husbands had died. And yet Elijah, who they looked up to, who was the anointed prophet, he fed only one. And she wasn't Jewish. She was another race. And if you read it up, it's known as the widow's oil. The flour and the oil were running out. They were going to have one last meal, herself and her son, and then they were going to die. And yet Elijah came and he did a miracle and the oil was multiplied. The widow's oil, wonderful, wonderful account in scripture. But she wasn't even Jewish. She was a foreigner or a Gentile is the word they used. And then all the people with leprosy. And remember, people with leprosy was a live issue. All of those guys in the synagogue would have had a family member or a friend or a neighbor who had contracted leprosy and they were now out of the community. They were separate. So leprosy was a big thing. And all the people who were sick and dying of leprosy. And he says, the great Jewish prophet Elijah, who does he heal? A foreigner. A foreigner. He wasn't even of the house of Israel. So here's Jesus touching 
the very sore part of their hearts. And he's starting to talk about foreigners. And here Jesus is beginning to bring an issue up that he knows will have a huge reaction. But he's not bringing it up to have a bit of drama. Do you know the way some people love a bit of drama? I remember we had a neighbor years ago growing up out in Nuns Walk off Pulitif Road. And I remember this woman neighbor, she used to love if there was any fighting or trouble in another family. She would just be so entertained. If the guards, if the police were called to a house, it, it was her party. She loved it. She'd be out in her slippers and her nightgown trying to take it all in. She loved drama. And she'd do anything to cause trouble and cause drama. But that's not what was going on here. Jesus wasn't trying to have a bit of drama. He was trying to touch an issue that was sinful. He was trying to go for an issue that was wrong in their hearts and in their minds. Now, at this time, it's important to remember, we don't read it in the Bible, but we know for a fact, historically and archaeologically, that just down the road from Nazareth, there was a huge city being built for the Romans, foreigners, called Sephorus. Jesus would have grown up as a carpenter, or to give the word, the, the Hebrew word was tectal, which means builder. And so a lot of the Jews from Nazareth would probably have worked. Jesus would have probably worked with his father Joseph in this place, Sephorus. But the Jews wouldn't have anything to do with it because it was a, a city for foreigners. And foreigners had different standards. And apparently we know that Sephorus was famous for its live sex shows, sex theater. And they would do it all over this new city. And foreigners, certain Romans and so on would go to see it. But no self-respecting religious Jew would go to that. It's just like I hope no Christian would go to a sex club. Would anyone say amen? amen. Oh, don't be talking about that now. Don't. It's a lie. It's fake. It'll destroy you. It'll destroy your soul. Keep away from it. There's no life in the end of that. There's only death. You destroy your relationships, you destroy your health, you destroy your mind, you destroy your soul. So all of that was going on down the road. And the guys in the Nazareth synagogue, they were the faithful ones. They were the ones holding out against this monster growing up just down the road. And they were religious and they were doing the right thing. And they associated foreigners with the crowd building this huge city and having all the live sex shows down the road. And they weren't going to have any of that. And they were there worshipping God. And they were there reading God's word. And then Jesus the rabbi comes in and he says, Ah, Elijah the prophet, you venerate. He would only feed a foreign widow. He would only heal a foreign leper. And it touched a racism and a prejudice within their souls. And you know what happened. When they heard this, they were all outraged. And they drove, they pushed, they shoved Jesus out of the synagogue. They got rid of Jesus in what was supposed to be a house of God. We can drive Jesus out of a church. You might say, that couldn't happen. Yes, it can. You can read it in the Old Testament. Ichabod, the glory has departed. That's another sermon. What about the New Testament? Look at the great church of Ephesus. Revelation chapter 2. And Jesus says, 
I will remove the lampstand from the church at Ephesus. The lampstand was a symbol of God's presence. So the Lord was saying, you know your church? You're a great church. If you read Revelation 2, you can see all about it. They were a great church. They found out heresy and they stood against this and they stood against that. And Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, said to them, you know what? You're great at sorting out fellas who've got wrong doctrine, but you've lost your first love. You don't love me anymore the way you used to. The first love is gone. You see it in marriages. The spark is gone. They don't love each other anymore. Or one partner doesn't love the other partner anymore. It gets cold. It gets mechanical. And Jesus was hurt the way you and I would be hurt if our partner didn't love us and stopped loving us. And so Jesus said, you keep going the way you're going. Oh, you're great at sorting them out and sorting them out. They were like heresy hunters. But you don't love me anymore. He said, I'm going to remove my presence. I'm going to remove my glory. You're not going to sense me moving among you. You're not going to see any move of God. You're not going to see people coming to faith. You're not going to see people healed. You're not going to see people restored. You're not going to see a deep work. You're just going to go through the motions, guys. This is going to be dead. And this is the church at Ephesus. What a, what a brilliant start they had. Remember in the book of Acts, Paul was traveling through and he found 12 men who were Jews. And he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they said, we never even heard of the Holy Spirit. Eh? And he says, oh, let me pray. And he laid hands on them and they spoke in tongues and the Holy Spirit started moving. And there was a great, powerful work of God in the wonderful city of Ephesus. And that's how it sank. Christians in Ephesus were driving Jesus out of the church. We could drive Jesus out of this church. You know how? One of the ways, if we start getting prejudiced against one another. And it's not just the color of your skin. I remember going to a church and you couldn't really go there unless you had skinny jeans and tattoos and earrings. Because they were cool, man. Do you know what? Great, you want to wear skinny jeans? Michael wears them all the time. What can I say, you know? You... (laughs) You want to wear skinny jeans? Wear them. But it is not a uniform. Who'll say amen? Just like a shirt and tie. You want to wear a shirt and tie? Wear it. God bless you. But it's not a uniform. And so prejudice can come in. Well, we're educated and you're not. Well, we're all sporty and you're not. Or whatever it is. So this prejudice button Jesus pushed to bring what was hidden in darkness into the light into the light and they drove Jesus out now if Jesus leaves your church and my church the next thing is he leave your family and then he leave you and then there's no sense of God at work in your life in your family's life or in your church's life that's why the culture of our church is so important that we as the leadership here We are the protectors of that. And that we don't allow prejudice to creep in. And that we challenge it in whatever form it takes, even if it feels uncomfortable. Would anyone say amen? Because the end of it is no good. It always leads to death. And they drove or pushed Jesus out of the synagogue. And then they pushed and shoved and drove Jesus to the edge of town. And they tried to throw him off the cliff. 
they tried to kill what Jesus was trying to say. They tried to stop what God is saying. And maybe there's someone here and you're angry at the ball fella up on the stage talking about this because you've got a prejudice against black people or you've got a prejudice against Asians or you've got a prejudice against Irish or English or you've got a prejudice against women, against men, against young, against old. I don't know. Against sporty people, against people with skinny jeans, Michael. We can all get prejudiced. But it always, if it's allowed to take root and to grow, it ends up killing us. It kills your marriage and my marriage. It kills your friendships and my friendship. But above all, it kills our relationship with God. It's very interesting because we're told Jesus passed through them all and he went away. They tried to kill the work of God, but nobody can stop what God is doing. When Jesus says yes, no one can say no. So if you and I try and stop something because of our prejudice, God is still going to move. He'll just take his presence away from here and he'll start moving somewhere else. That's what he'll do. God is no respecter like that. This is known uh, in Jesus' ministry as the Nazareth Manifesto. This is where Jesus, towards the start of his ministry, set a manifesto. A bit like Martin Luther in the 1500s, or you had communist manifestos and all that. This is the Nazareth Manifesto, where Jesus says, this is the way it's going to be, guys. There's going to be no color bar, because the blood of Jesus will wash away every color. Amen? That doesn't mean you mightn't have different cultures, and we celebrate that. That's not what I'm talking about. We're not all asked to become robots or clones of something. That's not what we're talking about. We can celebrate different cultures in different ways, but one isn't better than the other. One amen? Amen. So this is the Nazareth Manifesto, and Jesus is saying, here's where we're going. Here's the future. Even right back, way back then, here we see how God had a vision beyond just the Jewish race. So the chosen people aren't going to be the chosen anymore. It's going to go beyond this racial group and it's going to spread beyond. I love what Pastor Rick Warren from California says. Racism is stupid. It's an insult to God, arrogantly implying that God has goofed up when he chose to make us all different. Hallelujah. Well said, Rick. Well said. Let me reiterate, we're not talking about recognizing difference. That's, that's very healthy. Celebrating difference. It's interesting, my daughter and I went to the opera house last night because it was the Harlem Gospel Choir singing in the opera house. And the first half of it was like going to church and that it was songs we'd sing and some of the choir had their hands in the air and we were just looking around and we were looking at a lot of the local Cork people and they were like wood. And it's kind of half the crowd were kind of into it and clapping. Well, many of them weren't Christians. There's a good few Christians there. But the other half were like this. It was like a different culture. It's a different culture. And so 
you got to respect culture and you got to see, you know what, maybe they're never going to go that way or you know, they're tended to be an older crowd, but you don't really know where the culture will go. And it's not about forcing someone to worship like they do in Harlem, New York. That's not what it's about. It's about bringing people to Jesus. So we can recognize and respect differences, but we can never look down on someone who's different to us. Because if we do, Jesus leaves. You have the power. You have the power. Whether Jesus is going to leave your life or whether he's going to stay. And he'll move on. And he'll move on. And he'll leave this church. If we allow that. I can always remember the leader of a church 30 years ago. Here in Cork saying to me, the church is now closed down. He said there was a decision made in this church that we would stand against the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. And he said the day that decision was made is the day they closed the doors on God. And from that time, it took about 10 years, the church began to decline and decline. And I used to visit them way back then. And you could predict exactly what was going to happen all the time. It was, there was no life there. It wasn't life-giving. And tragically, it closed down. But the leader of that church, against his wishes, it was a whole group within the church, were so opposed to the Holy Spirit and anything to do with that, they closed the door on God. We can close the door on God in this church. We can close the door on God in our families, in our friendships, and we can close the door on God in our own lives. And you know what? The choice is yours and mine. We get to make a free will choice. Can I plead today that we all choose life? Don't choose death. Don't choose death. If you want to study this further, I don't have time to go into it today. You can take a screenshot if, you're, if you want. You don't have to of the next slide. I'm calling it Crossing Cultures. And you can see Jesus and the Samaritan woman, the Hebrews and the Hellenists, Acts 6, the Jews and Gentiles getting together, Acts 10, Philip and the Ethiopian, Acts 8, Simeon, who was a prophet or teacher in the church at Antioch, and he was known as Niger, which meant he was a black leader in the church. Revelation 7 is a proclamation of what heaven will be like, where every tribe, every race, every tongue is represented. And so you can look into the whole cross cultures and from the beginning of this wonderful relationship we have with Jesus Christ our Savior and this life-changing movement all over the planet. Sorry, I, I must have done something there. What we can see is Jesus Christ is moving by power and in might and you and I, you and I are called to be part of that and allow the blood of Jesus to wash away our prejudice. Galatians 5.20 very clearly says, the works of the flesh are divisions and factions. The works of the flesh. Upstairs in our atrium, you can see the fruit of the Spirit, nine of them. Well, equally in Galatians 5, there are nine works of the flesh. It's the dark side of our nature, if you will. And two of them are listed. The others are like lust and rage and anger and so on. But divisions and factions, there's something in us 
and I'm sure you recognize it in yourself, I recognize it in me, that we want to be with a certain crowd, a certain type of thing. I always remember in the 1970s when Erskine Childers was elected president, Uchtaran of Ireland. Um, so we've got a, a vote next week for the president. Well, back then there was a vote. And this guy, Erskine Childers, were, was voted in. But he was a Protestant background. That used to be the big divide in Ireland. And I can remember my aunts and uncles saying, but he's not our crowd. I would have come from a Catholic background. That's, that's a word the Irish use. He's not our crowd. Who let him in? And I remember my father going, but he's Fianna Fáil, he's okay. And I, I remember another uncle going, but he's still not our crowd. And, and this whole debate was going on. It's factions. There's no difference. Not really. The difference is, do you know the Lord or do you not? That's the difference. But there's something, and it creeps into churches, us and them, and it always brings death. It always brings death. Teenagers and young adults will very often try on different personalities, if you will. Emos and goths, and it used to be punks and hippies, whatever. And they try on personas to see if they fit. That's okay. That's part of development. But when you reach a certain age and you want to have a faction where you're against them and you're against them, you know what? Something is wrong. Something is wrong. So brothers and sisters, as I come towards a conclusion. Jesus left each of these situations. Are we going to allow Jesus to leave our lives? Hallelujah. I'm going to pray that there would be a passion in you. You might say, hey, I'm a chill out kind of guy. I'm not a passionate guy. I don't care. I'm going to pray that you're going to have a passion and a passion that Jesus Christ will never leave your life. Never leave your family, never leave your church, never leave your future. Let's pray that we will not drive Jesus out with our prejudice. Maybe some of us have got to let a prejudice go. Maybe it's only one or two here, maybe it's half the church, I don't know. We're going to let our prejudices go, and then we're going to pray that we will never see Jesus leave our situation. Amen? Because that is death when Jesus goes. Band, could you come up? We're going to sing Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. This is our anthem for the future in our lives, our walks with God, our marriages, our friendships, our ministries, our church. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Hand you over to Farad down in Cafe Church. God bless you guys. Will we stand? As the guys are getting ready, let me share this. I, I, I had a picture, a vision in my mind of a candle that had been blown out a long time. And this morning, it was relit. It was rekindled. Someone here and your fire for God has been blown out. And maybe it's something to do with whatever. But it's like Jesus left. But this morning, he's lighting it again. He is the God of second chances. Amen. So let's make space for that, and then we're going to pray that we would never, any of us, see Jesus leave our futures. As we sing this song, don't just sing it for the sake of it. Sing it from your heart. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Where's here? In your heart, in your relationships, in your future, in your church. If you don't welcome Jesus, 
it doesn't work. We all have to welcome him. Let's sing it and then we'll pray. sing that again in a moment if Jesus wants to relight and rekindle that extinguished candle in someone's life here can we all close our eyes on stage off that stage this is just a private thing but you know whatever the events were that light has gone out and you know that the Lord is whispering to you here and now he wants to relight it I'm going to ask you with every eye in the house closed, just to lift up your hand and then take it down again. I'm not going to call you up, okay? Okay, 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 okay. Okay, so I think we have seven hands here. I'm just going to pray for you guys where you stand. For each of my seven brothers and sisters. Whatever has happened, for whatever reason, that light went out and the sense of God close by is no longer there. We pray now in accordance with the moving of the Holy Spirit that a spark from heaven would fall into each of these seven hearts in Jesus' name. Who'll say amen? Oh Lord, rekindle that love. Bring back the first love. Take these guys away from going through the motions and bring them to a place where they can weep in your presence, where they can have joy before you and where that intimacy, that closeness, that bond is established again. Come Holy Spirit into these lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Give them a round of applause. That took courage. That takes courage. It's hard to admit that, but it's very healthy because now we can move forward. I don't know what your prejudice is. I know what my own is, and I've had prejudices I've had to let go. It might be race. It might be nothing to do with race. Could be a, a certain type of person. I remember talking to someone once. They were a quiet, reflective type of person, and they shared, I really struggle with people who talk a lot. I felt instantly <laughs> condemned. But but you know what? I respected it. They bought it into the light, but they had to let it go. Equally, if you're a talkative person and you struggle with people who don't talk, I don't know, you gotta let it go. If there's any prejudice anywhere or inclination, here's the time today just hand it over we've all had it at different times if you've got something you want to hand over would you lift up your hand any type of a prejudice or a discomfort with someone who's not like you 
okay there's a lot of hands up when we bring that before the lord in our last five minutes would you leave your seats and come to the top we're going to lay that at the altar here and we're going to leave it here praise god guys would you sing the chorus again and then we're going to pray spirit you are welcome here come flood this place and fill the atmosphere God. It takes a lot of courage for all of you to leave your seats and come up here. Can we give these guys a round of applause? We have to create a culture of honor among us. We honor those who, who are willing to admit, praise God, it's not everyone and that's brilliant, hallelujah, but it's good that we just leave it before the Lord. If you're physically able to, maybe you're not, but I'm going to ask you to kneel down. I'm going to kneel down. You don't have to if you can't, don't feel uncomfortable if you can't we're going to kneel down before the Lord and as we kneel down do you know what we're doing guys we're acknowledging I'm not God you're not God amen we can't follow our own guidance we have to follow God's guidance on this so kneeling down can you just bring your hands before the Lord in the palm of your hands hand over that prejudice even might be a certain individual rather than a people group but you know you've got a prejudice or a, a discomfort maybe an anger maybe a pride in your heart and so Lord Jesus on our knees we hand over that prejudice that anger we hand over that hurt and we hand over that bias that we have and we ask you Jesus would you take us from it take it from us now would you see that we're on our knees and we're leaving it at the altar as it were here in grace church and we don't want to bring it out the door can you say amen to that and so father this is life this is honest this is sincere we leave it here and we walk away from it the Holy Spirit and I heard a word shared earlier and I think this is part of it there's a there's an issue with someone here and it's to do with a grave it's something to do with someone dying or someone being buried can we all just close our eyes again on and off stage if there's something that goes back to a death here I just before I pray I need to know that it's from the Lord would you raise your hand and then take it down again maybe you're down there maybe you're up here okay okay all right, whoa, I didn't think there'd be that many. One, two, three, four. We pray now in the name of Jesus. Whatever happened at that graveyard, whatever happened with that death, the biased, the hurt, the prejudice that was shown against my brothers and sisters here, Lord Jesus, we pray healing into that situation now, healing into our minds and into our hearts, and help us to get back up on our feet and move forward without this hurt destroying us. I pray against a root of bitterness in Jesus' name. We 
forgive those who hurt us. We forgive that situation and we want to be set free from the shadow of whatever happened at that funeral. Come Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand on our feet for one last time. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands, guys, all of you who came up. I pray now, Lord, that a blessing from heaven would fall on each one. Holy Spirit, bless, heal, deliver. Oh God, undertake for each one of these brothers, each one of these sisters. Come, Lord Jesus, and help each one of them to know your presence and to move beyond and be set free, set free from hurt, set free from any bias, set free from anything we inherited from our parents, prejudice from our experience. Come Holy Spirit, set each one free and bless each one in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And all God's people said, Amen. Praise God. Let's go back to our seats. We're going to serve tea and coffee upstairs. But maybe we'll just sing this song as we go out. You're welcome to stay for another few minutes as the song has been sung. Or you're welcome to leave or to go up to the atrium. God bless you. And may the Holy Spirit be welcome in your home, in your room, in your workplace all the week ahead. Amen. Amen. Roll.